We are um, in Luke chapter 1 today, um, and we're going to be in chapter 1, verses 5 through 25. If you have a Bible, this is the time to open it. If you don't have a Bible, uh, there's a blue Bible in the seat rack in front of you. We're going to be on page 947. If you don't have one at home, this is our gift to you. Please make sure you grab a Bible. Just make sure it's not one with a torn cover. We'd love to give you a new one. Uh, so if you can't find one, let us know. But we'd love for you to take those um, and take it home. Because this is the Word of God, um, and, and we submit ourselves to the Word of God, out of reverence for the Word of God, would you please stand for the reading with me? Luke chapter 1, 5 through 25. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared." And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept, to herself, kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. This is the word of the Lord. You may have a seat. Amen. Thanks, Binger. Good morning, Flourishing Grace. How are we? Doing all right? Yep. Happy Mother's Day, ladies. Any ladies in the room? <laughs> ladies! How are we doing? Good? All right. Hey, uh, my, for those of you who are new, my name is Josh and I'm the pastor of Preaching and Vision here. Uh, I'm the guy that Benjamin's talking about. I'm, I'm leaving for three months. Can't, can't wait to just be away from you all. Um, just kidding, just kidding. It's actually the opposite of that. I'm going to miss you guys so much. And yes, next Sunday is, is my last Sunday before um, in a, a three-month sabbatical. Um, and we are looking forward to that, but it's a bittersweet thing. And um, we'll talk more about that ne next week, maybe. Um, 
This morning is not about me. It's about, it's about our mothers in the room. And this is the first time I've ever actually preached a Mother's Day sermon. I've preached on Mother's Day many, many times over the years. Um, but this is the first time I've actually, actually preached a sermon to our moms, to the, not just moms, but the women in, in the room. Normally we kind of like have a, we're in a series and we just kind of plow on through whatever we're preaching on. That's, that's just what we're going to preach on on Mother's Day. Uh, but this year just kind of fell uh, the way we kind of organized um, our, our, um, our preaching calendar. It just kind of fell like here's an open, open Sunday. And so, man, we get, to, we get to kind of speak specifically to the ladies in the room. And I know that for many of us, then this day can be um, it's kind of a, a sorrowful day. Right? Maybe for you, um, and you've, you've lost a mother recently or lost a grandmother recently. And it's like kind of a painful, there's some emotions in this day. Maybe you've, you've wanted to have children, but you've been unable to have kids. And man, we're going to look at Elizabeth's life. That was one of the marks of her life. She was unable to have kids. And this is a sorrowful day for you. Um, maybe for you, uh, man, you've lost a child. And this, this day is a painful, sorrowful day for you. Um, but regardless of, of what you kind of bring into this room with you, the truth is that every single one of us in this room has had a mother. Like that's just the reality of our situation here. And even if you didn't know your biological mother, I, I, I'm sure that I mean, along the way, someone has come around you and been a motherly figure in your life. And that's worthy of I mean, just re- reverence and respect and honor. And so we want to honor our moms this morning. We want to honor of the ladies in the room this morning. And so I want to speak directly to and just the ladies in the room as we look at the life of Elizabeth. And fellas, there's going to be goodness in here for you as well. Okay, so don't, don't tune me out. Uh, mostly because uh, your, your wife is sitting next to you and she's watching. All right, it's Mother's Day. She's got sharp elbows. Watch out for that, all right? Just, just fair warning. That's, that's all the only warning you're going to get. But this morning is just for uh, the ladies specifically. And ladies, here's what I want you to hear. I mean, I know... I know that the world is is right now, right now in our culture, the world is grappling for what it means to be a woman. Whose definition is going to win out? Whose vision for womanhood is going to win the day, win the argument? And here's what I want you to hear. It doesn't matter because it's going to change anyways. Okay, the, the world is always propping up an image of what it means to be a woman. And it says, aspire to this, become like this, work towards this. And inevitably, that image is always changing. Within a, within a few decades, it'll be, no, 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 like that was, that was so dumb, that was so wrong. Be like this, aspire to this. And it's going to constantly be dragging you around, causing you to chase all kinds of images and things that is propping you up and say, this is what an ideal woman is like. An easy example, like low-hanging fruit, right? The Disney princesses of old, like old school Disney princesses. I'm talking Snow White, Cinderella, right? These princesses, they were all, they were all the same, right? They were, they were the, the dainty, unbelievably beautiful damsel in distress, needing a strong man to come rescue them, right? And, and the, the world says, man, props this image up and says, this is what a woman's like. They aspire to be this way. Come live your life like this. Aspire to be Snow White. But now fast forward to the Disney princesses of today, right? These women, they know Kung Fu, they know how to wield a sword. They can do backflips off a wall and do, like lift insanely heavy objects like somehow, right? And, and the world lifts us up and says, this is what it means to be a woman. Come be like this. Give your life to this endeavor. Give your life to this pursuit. And here's what I want you to hear. Neither one of these are attainable. They're not realistic. Any princesses in the room this morning 
Didn't think so, right? 99.99% of the women in the, room, in, in the world are never going to be a princess, let alone like Cinderella-level princess, right? A- anybody in the room able to do a backflip off the wall? Like this morning, like any lady is like, want to come up and endeavor to do that, right? It's like not going to happen. This is not realistic. It's, it's just not real. And yet the world says, measure up, ladies, measure up. And what I want you to hear this morning is this. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And for all time, since the dawn of time, God has has a purpose and a vision for your life. He knows exactly who you are. To the greatest, he knows you better than you know yourself. And he knows exactly who you are to become. And it is 10,000 times 10,000 times better than anything the world is ever going to convince you to try to be. And it has never changed. It has never shifted. It has always been. He loves you. And he has a vision for womanhood, a vision for you to step into. And it is so much better than anything the world is ever going to call you to be or to do or to act like. And before you say, oh, great, here we go, another man telling women how to live, here we go again, I knew it. That's not what's happening. I promise you that will not happen this morning. All I'm going to do this morning is hold up scripture. That is a beautiful, beautiful call on your life that speaks strength and power and wisdom into women and calls them to be great women of action. That's what I want to do for you this morning. Man, uh, as one theologian put it, he said this way, he said, the dawn of the great new movements of God repeatedly occurs in women's spaces. When we read the Bible, the dawn of the great new movements of God again and again and again, the scripture is speaking wisdom and strength and power and action into women. And when God wants to do a new thing on repeat, There are women that he chooses to prop up in this bold and powerful way and says, watch me work. Watch me work. We see this in Sarah and Isaac, Rebecca and Jacob, Rachel and Joseph, Ruth and Obadiah, Eunice and Timothy, Mary and Jesus, and this morning, Elizabeth and John. Every hero of the Bible, their their mother is, is not just like, one page. It's like their story is built out. God chooses to do profound things through these women. Their stories are incredible again and again and again. The theme of Scripture for women is that faithful women are rewarded in this life and the next. That's the main thing I want you to see this morning. The faithful women of God are rewarded in this life and the next again and again and again. God says, ladies, I have a vision and a purpose for your life. If you would be willing to to be faithful to it, you will be rewarded in this life and the next. If you will be faithful to the vision and the purpose that God has for your life, you will be rewarded in this life and the next. Well, one of the, one of the most kind of famous, well-known passages on women in the Bible, right? Proverbs 31. Right? Proverbs 31, the, the, the wise author, King Solomon, is speaking to a young man. And he says, you want to know what kind of woman you want to have in your life? Like, this is the kind of woman that you need to aspire to, to cling to. And kind of the, the, the pinnacle verse in Proverbs 31 is verse 30. 
Like the verse that stands out amongst them all is verse 30. And it reads this way. It says, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, that, that's praiseworthy. And, and think about it for a second. Has the world ever held up charm and said, ladies, this is what you need in your life. You need to be able to charm. If you want to succeed, you want to get ahead, you, you, you want to position yourself well, you want to gain influence and power, can you charm? That's the secret. That's the sauce you need. The world holds that up all the time. The Bible says that's deceitful. Has the world ever held up beauty and said what you need is beauty? If, if you're going to get ahead, if you're going to find a man, if you're going to do all the things you want to do, if you want to get adventure, you need beauty. Can you be beautiful? Can you measure up? The Bible says that's vain. That's vain. But then it points to the thing that you actually do need. It points to a greater vision for your life. The Bible says, do you want the truest and greatest source of your worth and praise? Do you, do you know what it is? Your fear of the Lord. That, that's worthy to be praised. A woman who fears the Lord is worthy to be praised. And the world is never going to hold up that picture for you. The world's never going to hold that up and say, this is what you need to aspire to. This is what you need to chase after. It's never going to say, this is the goal of womanhood. But it is the very heart of what it means to be a woman of God. Your fear of the Lord is the measure to which you have stepped into the truest self as a woman. Your, your fear of the Lord is the measure to which you have stepped into your truest self as a woman. How well do you fear the one who has made you and formed you, has a purpose and a vision for your life? Elizabeth was a woman marked by a fear of the Lord, a right, healthy, reverent fear of God drove her to deep, enduring faithfulness that carried her through life and brought her remarkable joy. Her awe of God, her reverence of God drove her to faithfulness. Elizabeth was the daughter of a priest. She married a priest. She was the wife of a priest. Obviously, she was the mother of John the Baptist. Like these are, these are famous things about Elizabeth. There's really two things that marked her life. Two things above all the other things that marked Elizabeth's life. And the first one was her deep righteousness and faithfulness. Here's how Luke records it in Luke chapter 1, verse 6. It says this, And they were both, both Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were both righteous before God, walking blameless in all of the commandments and statutes. Elizabeth was a blameless woman before God. She was holy. She was righteous. She was faithful. A remarkable woman of God. This marked her life this marked her life, just quiet, constant faithfulness, robust righteousness. This is how she lived her life. The second thing that marked her life, it's a little bit sadder. Elizabeth was barren. She could not have children. This was a mark of her life, well into old age. This was a thing that she had clinged to for her whole life. And then one day realized that the thing that she was clinging to was well into her past. It was gone. 
It was over. She was way too old. She could have been a, a grandma or maybe even a great-grandma. She was never going to have children. This is what she was known for, her unbelievable righteousness and faithfulness in being a woman who could not have children. The first thing that I want you to see this morning is this. Faithfulness endures when life is full of disappointment. Elizabeth was a woman of disappointment. That was an unbelievably disappointing thing. Some of you ladies in the room, you've, you've lived through this. You've experienced this disappointment and this sorrow. And I'll go even farther to say it was more sorrowful, more disappointing for Elizabeth than it was for you. And the reason for that is not, is not that her internal sorrow was, was more. No, no, no. Her internal sorrow was the same. The idea of longing for a child and not being able to have that, her sorrow in that was the same for you. But the cultural pressure, the cultural view of it was far more harsh than it was for you. You see, in the culture of the day, first century Israel, right, children were rightly seen, rightly seen as an unbelievable blessing from God. Right? The psalmist puts it this way in Psalm 127. It reads this way, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, root womb, a reward. Right? Children are a reward from God, a blessing from God. Like, that's right, and that's a good way to look at it, a good way to see it. But the inverse, the inverse was a broken theology, a broken idea. You see, if it's true, this is what they kind of, kind of this is what the way they, they thought of it. If it's true that children are a blessing from God, then if you can't have children, you're cursed by God. This is a broken way of viewing this. But this is how the culture viewed it. And so when Elizabeth's friends all got together, every time Elizabeth leaves the room, they're all speculating. They're all talking about, what do you think she did? Why do you think God doesn't like her? Why do you think God's angry at her? Why do you think God's cursed her? Right? And you'd speculate, I heard it was this. No, 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 I heard it was that. Right? This is the cultural shame of the day. Everywhere she goes, everybody says, I know that everybody thinks she's righteous and blameless before God. She's a remarkably faithful woman, but she did something. I don't know what it is, but she did something, right? And here's the proof. She can't have children. An unbelievably shameful thing. And yet, Elizabeth didn't carry that shame. She did not buy into the narrative of the culture of the day. She feared the Lord instead. She clung to the Lord. Yes, she felt sorrow and sadness, but not the shame of the culture. She knew that God was sovereign and loving and faithful and true. And there was no shame for her before God. She knew who her God was, and she rested in her, his love for her. And ladies, I want you to hear this this morning, that, that, the, in, that there is no room for shame in the heart of a woman of God. If you're a woman of, woman of God, if faithfulness is your aim, the right fear of the Lord is your greatest source of praise. There's no room for shame in your life. There is no room for shame in your life. If you walk faithfully before the Lord, you will not measure up to the standards of the world. You will never be a princess. And you will never be able to defeat 20 people at one time practicing Kung Fu. It's not your lot in life. You're never going to measure up. But that doesn't mean you have to be shameful about it. God loves you. You've been fearfully and wonderfully made in the midst of your disappointments. In your midst of disappointment, you can walk with him. And the source of your praise will be your reverence before him. 
If you are fearful in the Lord, you're worthy to be praised. I have had the privilege and the sorrow of being able to walk with many, many, many men and women who were unable to have kids. Many, many people. Um, some of our best friends when we lived in Chicago, for those of you who've been around, you know that's where we're from originally. Uh, Brett and Tammy Kettleson, dear, dear, sweet, sweet friends. Um, man, they, they had tried and tried and tried and tried to have kids. They've gone through all the things. They did IVF, multiple rounds, multiple treatments. And fi- finally, the doctor kind of just said to them, listen, listen, like, we can try again. But this isn't going to work. It's just not, it's not, the odds are it's not going to work. And I, I'll never forget it. Like, I just I remember it like it was yesterday. There's a barbecue place by our house, and we sat outside on the patio, outside, in public, and they just wept and wept and wept as they told us, we're done. We're not going to try anymore. We're not going to try anymore. We're not going to fight for this anymore. Like, we're not going to cling to this anymore. Listen, God is sovereign over all things. It is his choice, his decision. What he wants to do, he is going to do. If he wants to heal, he can heal. If he wants to produce, he can produce. If he doesn't want to, he doesn't have to. He's sovereign over it all. It's not our decision. It's his. And we are going to rest in that. We choose to rest in that. And I remember sitting there with Desiree. I remember sitting with her, just praying and praying as they just sobbed. And this is not an exaggeration. I, I promise you, the next day, Brett gets a phone call from a guy at his office, and he says, listen, I have a family member who's having a baby, and they don't want to keep the baby. Do you want a baby girl? He's like, yeah, yeah, I want a baby girl. And they, they adopt this baby almost instantly. It went so fast. They adopt this baby. And again, I'm not exaggerating. Within a week of the adoption, Brett comes home from work, and Tammy's like, hey, I know this is crazy, but I'm pretty sure I'm pregnant. And nine months later, they have a nine-month-old daughter and a newborn, like, at the same time. And again and again and again, just, just last week here at Flourishing Grace, I talked to them. I'm not going to name names. I talked to somebody who's like, man, that was our lot in life. We just kind of given up. We just said, and then, listen, God has what he has for us, and it's not kids, and we've just come to grips with that. And we found out we're having a baby in November. Like, I just, you look at scripture and you see this, you see it with Sarah, you see it with Rebecca, you see it with Elizabeth, again and again and again and again. When people just release their grasp on the things of this world and they say, I choose faithfulness over disappointment, God says, that's my cue. That's my cue. And I'm not saying that God's gonna give you everything you wanted the moment you release your grasp on us. No, I'm saying I'm not, gonna say, I'm not saying God's going to give you a kid. I'm just saying God's going to do a mighty work in your life. You're going to be rewarded in this life and the next. If you choose faithfulness over the things of this world, if you choose to be defined by a fear of the Lord, rather than becoming something the world tells you you're supposed to be, you'll be rewarded in this life and the next. Can you be faithful through your sorrow and disappointment? It is right and okay to be sorrowful. But we must endure faithfully through that sorrow. And that's God's cue. He says, let's go. Let me show you what I can do in the midst of this. Next, we'll hurry through the next one. This was Elizabeth's story, right? Elizabeth remains faithful. God says, 
Watch me work through that. And he gives her a child, John the Baptist. Next thing I want you to see is this. Faithfulness endures when others are full of doubt. Faithfulness endures when others are full of doubt. Everyone in Elizabeth's life doubted this, including her husband. I love how the text puts it, right? The angel Gabriel shows up to Zechariah at work. He's in the temple doing his temple thing. And the angel Gabriel's like, hey, you're going to have a kid. And he's like, what? Do you have any idea how old my wife is? Like, actually, he says she's advanced in years, which is a very kind and polite way of saying, do you have any idea how old my wife is? Right? That's what he's saying. And ain't the angel Gabriel, I love his response. He's like, do you not know who I am? I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. You know what? Silence. And for nine months, Zechariah can't talk. He's mute for nine months. He comes out and like, Everybody's trying to understand what he's saying. He's using his hands. He, like, he can't communicate. And everybody's freaking out. And they realize, man, God did something in there. And it doesn't seem like it's a good thing. All right, Zechariah comes home. And like, here's the thing. Elizabeth didn't get the angel. Right here, you have the woman who's going to give birth to this baby. No angel shows up to her. Just to the dude. And, he, and like, he has to come home. And we're left to assume that some way she reform, he has to communicate this to his wife. He's like, Right? It's like, I don't know how it is. Eventually, she's like, oh, like, and she receives it. She doesn't reject the idea. She's old. She's advanced in years. She could be a grandma or great-grandma at this point in her life. She didn't reject that. Everybody in her life rejects the idea. Nobody believes this is possible. But she faithfully steps into all the doubts of the world. She faithfully steps into it. She says, man, I choose faith over Doubt. Faithfulness endures when others are full of doubt. Elizabeth doesn't celebrate. She doesn't throw a party. She doesn't, she doesn't sh- shout and scream. No, she realizes that the victory, this belongs to the Lord. It says in verse 25, for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Ladies, the world will doubt you. Okay, the world's gonna doubt you. The world's gonna question you. Listen to me, men are going to doubt you. We are really good at it, okay? It's a not spiritual gift. We're really, really good at it. We're going to doubt you. The world's gonna doubt you. The world's gonna say you can't measure up. You can't achieve. You can't succeed. You can't do. I want you to hear something. They're right. The world is Right. Whatever picture they hold up in front of you and say, chase this, pursue this, become like this, you will never measure up to it. You're going to put that weight on your back and it will crush you. You will never measure up to the standards the world sets on you as a woman. You need to hear that because you need to be free of it. You need to be free of it. You will never measure up to it. But the thing that women who fear the Lord know is this. The one who has overcome sin and death walks with them daily. He is constantly with them. The one who has succeeded over the grave empowers them and all things are possible with him. They know that they can do all things through him who strengthens them. They know that when they are weak, they are strong in him. 
And they can walk with courage and strength in the midst of their faith as everyone around them doubts them. They do not trust in their own abilities and their own powers, their own strength, their own might, their own beauty. They trust in the Lord. You do not need the world to affirm your strengths or your abilities or your achievements. Your strength does not come from the world. When the world is full of doubts, your faithfulness can endure through Jesus. And therefore, you are strong and capable because he, Jesus, is infinitely strong and infinitely capable. He is all you need. You do not need the strength the world is putting on you. You just need him to carry you through faithfully day in and day out. Lastly, faithfulness endures when life is full of doubt. Oh, sorry, full of delight. Doubt was the last one, you dummy. All right. Faithfulness endures when life is full of delight. Faithfulness endures when life is full of delight. Uh, Elizabeth's life, yes, was marked by sorrow. It was marked by people doubting her, but it was also marked by a, a great delight. One of the great stories in Elizabeth's life, one of the famous stories, is a moment of delight. Okay? This is the story that many of you guys know. We read this at Christmas time. I'm going to read the passage for you. It comes from Luke chapter 1, verse 39. So we're skipping down a little bit. And here, here it is. In those days, Mary, the mother of Jesus, right, Mary, went with haste into the hill country, to the town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment. Listen to me. This is one of the craziest texts in the Bible. Okay, I love this. This idea that in, in utero... Jesus, in Mary's stomach, is inducing praise from the people in the room. Like as Jesus is carried into the room in his mother's womb, right? John the Baptist, in Mary's womb, right, is rejoicing, is leaping for joy. It's an unbelievable thing. This is the depths of the Jesus' worth of praise. As he comes in the room, he is worthy to be praised, but then as you peel back the layers of the text, there's, there's so much more in there. Elizabeth is the first person in the New Testament to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth is the first person in the New Testament to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. I mean, Elizabeth is the first person to be like, this is like the marks of salvation are all in Elizabeth before Jesus is ever even born, right? It's like she's filled with the Holy Spirit. She declares he's Lord. It's amazing what's going on in this text. But that line, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Faithfulness leads out in joy. Elizabeth boldly steps out in joy, declaring the truth and worth and honor. Blessed is she who believed. Mary believed and Elizabeth believed that one day God would fulfill and redeem. They believed that, that God was coming to fulfill and redeem. And that blessing... The blessing that they received because of their belief was motherhood. Do you see that? It's in the text. 
because of their deep belief that God would one day fulfill and redeem and that he could do so in any way he desired. God chose to bring forth redemption and fulfillment through their maternity. You have Mary, who's far too young and a virgin, conceiving a child. You have Elizabeth, who's far too old, conceiving a child. God says, I'm going to use women who are faithful. I will bless those who believe. I'll bless those who endure in faithfulness. Even in their joy and delight, they're praising God. God chooses to use women who are faithful and obedient and who, who believed that he would do what he said he would do and then he could do it in any way that he chose to do it. He shows up and he uses them. Faithfulness is again and again and again and again rewarded in this life and the next. It's a famous story of Billy Graham. Billy Graham is uh, kind of the, one of the most famous kind of modern preachers of our time, right? If you don't know who Billy Graham is, ask your grandma, all right? Billy Graham, Billy, Billy Graham would pack stadiums, thousands, tens of thousands. He was as popular as Justin Bieber and Taylor Swift, right? I mean, he would pack up the whole place. Like, you too, like, can't pack stadiums the way Billy Graham packed stadiums. It's insane just to hear someone preach the gospel. People would pack stadiums to hear Billy Graham. Unbelievably famous, unbelievably popular. And Billy Graham would receive fan mail. That's before they had computers and email. He received handwritten cards from people like, I love you, Billy. And like, man, I gave my life to Jesus because of you, Billy. Or whatever it is. Right? Constant fan mail. Constant prayer request. And every single one was responded to with a handwritten note. So how could Billy do that? The answer is he couldn't. He had a team of all women who opened every single letter, read every single letter, and then wrote a handwritten response. And this mailroom was like filled all day, every day, thousands of letters coming in, and they would faithfully open every one, faithfully read each one, faithfully rewrite, write, write a handwritten note to every single one. And one day, the story goes, Billy Graham walks in the room. Let me tell you who doesn't walk into the mailroom, okay? Billy Graham. And so all these all ladies are feverishly riding away and, and they're doing their thing and all of a sudden, like, the, one of them looks over, it's like, <gasps> and everything stops. Billy Graham just walked in the room. Like, Billy Graham, stay in the room. And Billy says, ladies, I want you to know, one day, when we get to heaven, there's gonna be a long line. And you all are gonna be ahead of me in that line. And they start looking at each other, all confused. They're like, this is Billy Graham. It's like, Paul, Peter, Billy, Titus, Timothy. Like, it's Billy Graham. Like, what's he really talking about? Like, what are you getting in front of me? And, and, and he can see the confusion. He can see them looking at each other. It's like, you need to know that God has always rewarded faithfulness, not fruitfulness. God rewards faithfulness, not fruitfulness. Billy Graham had an unbelievably fruitful ministry. Tens of thousands of people gave their lives to Christ through the preaching of Billy Graham, fruitful. But at the core of it and the root of it was the faithfulness of these women who day in and day out said, man, I know God is gonna use this letter, gonna use this pen, gonna use this word to do great things. And they faithfully showed up again and again and again and again. Just faithful. 
before God. Not believing that they needed to be the next Billy Graham. I don't need this great robust vision of my life. I just need to be faithful. And I don't know where those women are. I don't know how many of them are still alive today. I, I don't know. But I know they were rewarded in this life and the next. And ladies, I don't know what vision you've been propped up for you. I, I don't know what you've been trying to attain with your life. I don't know if it's something that your mother said to you when you were young or something your dad said to you when you were young or something you've seen on Instagram or TikTok, some broken vision that's been propped up for you to say, this is what it means to be a woman. This is what you need to measure up to, right? Is it, is it prettiness or is it power? Is it being like the perfect mom and having it all together? Or is it being like the CEO, or like power suit lady? Like, I mean, I'm gonna get it done. What is it? What, what vision has been put in front of you and said, Man, you've put that weight on your shoulders and said, I, I've got to measure up. I've got to be this way. I need people to believe that I can do it. I need people to believe that I can achieve. I need people to see me in this light. What's crushing your soul? All I want you to know this morning is that God has a unbelievable vision of faithfulness for your life. It's a thousand times better than anything the world's ever going to put up in front of you. And it's the one thing, it's the one thing that if you step into it, if you actually put it on, it will relieve all of the other weights of the world, the weight of doubt, the weight of despair. It will relieve you of those things as you simply walk faithfully before Him. That's the call in your life, to fear the Lord, to walk faithfully before Him. You don't need to measure up to anybody else because he's already measured up for you. He's covered you by his perfect blood and his perfect body. He's already made you perfect. Simply walk faithfully before him. That's it. And so I don't know what, what vision has been put on you, what pressure has been put on you to perform, to be someone that you were never intended to be. But my hope and my prayer this morning is that you would be able to drop that weight be able to put it off. Say, I'm no longer going to chase this. I'm no longer going to pursue this. I'm just going to cling to Jesus with all of my might. I will be faithful to him. My fellows in the room, I got one word for you. You better help these ladies in that endeavor. Prop up Jesus for your wives and your daughters. Prop up Jesus for your sisters in Christ. Help them to aspire to that and nothing else. Let me pray for us. Father, I come before you and I ask that you would make this true. That at Flourishing Grace, our women would not bow to the ideals of the world. They would simply bow to you. That they would not be crushed by the uncarryable weights, the ever-changing images that the world is calling them to aspire to. But they would see it. They would see straight through it. They would reject it. And they would be reminded every day of who they are in Christ Jesus 
redeemed, whole, loved, strong, wise, empowered, ready for action, faithful, mothers, faithful, daughters, faithful, sisters. Empower them with truth and lift off the weight of the lies of the world. Help these ladies be faithful to you. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.